I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. No my Heidi Mai, and there's a lot to talk about this weekend. The All Blacks post a big score, but probably didn't play as well as they should. The Black Ferns in all sorts of trouble after two weeks against England and a number of games. The Springboks right to the wire against Wales. The Wallabies upset against Scotland. Three in a row for Scotland now. So much going on and more games to look at for next week. I'm joined by Bryn Down in Christchurch and James Parsons in Auckland. Lads, let's start with the All Blacks. And Jipper, first up, a frustrating watch, a difficult watch that win over Italy, considering the score was, what, 47-9, but that really doesn't indicate the way that they played. No, and probably not a fair reflection on the Italian performance, um, but I, I kind of like it going into Ireland. Like, there'll be a real hard edge in, in the All Blacks environment this week, and after, you know, the Irish display, um, it, it sets it up for, a, for an awesome game. There were a lot of positives to come out of the weekend, the way that they had to sort of grind their way through, find different ways to, to win games. And I suppose the biggest thing I took out of it was the old cliche, still runs true. You've got to give it to the big boys up front to settle things down. Four mall tries, uh, a new variation, five plus one switch move, which involved a little bit of the backs, but there were three rucks in the lead up to that. So so the men up front really had to do a lot of the grunt work. And, um, you know, like Bryn will agree to the, with this, whenever things sort of get out of control, you just go back to your basics, you get the ball in the corner, tuck it under the big fella's chest and they go to work. And, and I think Dane Coles and the Safar Moore um, are two of the best exponents off, off the back of a, of a mall. But Bryn, should they have done more of that? I mean, there was a lot of side-to-side play. It seemed like they just walked into the Italian rush defence and, and let the Italians frustrate them um, when they could have maybe kept it closer a little bit more, used those strengths and then open up. Yeah, I think so. But then you've also got to credit Italy on, on their defence. And, you know, if you look at the, you know, the percentage that they were tackling, they made a lot of tackles in, in that game. Um, you know, 172 tackles in at 88%, you know, which is, which is a pretty high success rate considering how much ball the, the New Zealanders had. So, you know, they had 235 passes. And even when Finlay Christie was on for the predominantly that time, the ball was playing at a, a quick pace. But, you know, the fact that the Italians defended really, really well and some pretty uncharacteristic errors, I probably think. You know, you look in that kind of first five, five, ten minutes, you know, there were so many mistakes with uh, ball handling skills and dropping the ball. And then on top of that as well, um, penalties, you know, in the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, seven, eight penalties. And so 
when you've got that kind of combination of dropping the ball, not being able to build pressure and then giving penalties as well, um, it's so hard to be able to get back into the game. But like Jip said, uh, when things weren't going so well, this set piece really dominated. I thought the, our scrum was, was fantastic, and especially early on. And then especially with the uh, the line-out moors, when you, whenever you can get four line-out drives and uh, with the suffer and uh, Dane Cole's been able to be beneficiaries of that, um, it just comes back to the hard grunt work and the All Blacks wanted to do. But I think, you know, moving forward, they might not be able to get that dominance against uh, against Ireland, who were fantastic against the Japanese, which no doubt um, we'll talk about. But um, I guess probably the inaccuracies in the, and the amount of errors and handling errors that the All Blacks had due to the effect of the line speed pressure that the Italians put on them, um, no doubt that'll be trying to get solutions around what that's going to look like, holding your depth a little bit, being able to go into contact, and probably I thought our breakdown as well, just being able to continue to keep moving bodies, uh, which is probably going to be really needed um, coming against a, a very strong island team who had a great performance against Japan on the weekend. I think I think Bryn brings up a key point there around uh, the breakdown. Like, if you look at the rush there against the Springboks, we spoke about Malcolm Marks and, and Kitsoff, believe it or not, and they did it again on the weekend, but... Uh, when we cut back in due to that outside line pressure, uh, we, we were getting turnovers like penalties via via marks a couple of times. This occasion, we cut back in with that defense, and I think we were so eager to get in there so there wasn't a turnover, we got penalized a lot from entering the ruck from the side. Mm. So I think that needs to probably be the work on. Look, if we, guys, if, if we do make a bad decision and we don't do a kick pass or we can't get to the edge, what are we going to do to sort these breakdowns out so that we can restart? Because even if it's in the middle of the field, they can get to an edge and, and then they'll be able to find their way again. And I, I just felt that both times that we've faced this real rush D, um, our, as Bryn said, our breakdown just wasn't as clinical as what we saw when they're running hot. Like when our forwards are cleaning breakdowns, moving bodies, sometimes only one cleaner and that ball's up for nines. They love it. First fives love running that flat. I, I think that will be a focus for them this week because it won't change. The, the Irish defence is well organised. I think also as well on that on that jip, um, I, I saw a good solution that they kind of all blacks did, which they did previous in the previous test, doing pick and goes and going through the middle of the field. And I think anytime you've got that kind of line speed and there's that pressure where you're coming back in because of the defensive pressure, those pick and goes to be able to then go on top of teams it sucks the team. There's a couple of defenders a little bit tighter. And then you've got the ability to be able to get on the edge and maybe try and go through that way, which we saw early in that second half. So um, that can be a continuation of hopefully going forward because I know Ireland, um, you know, especially with with Farrell and his defensive um, success he's had in the Lions and when he was with, when he was with England as well, um, no doubt they're going to be wanting to put a lot of pressure on the All Blacks. And so that's a good solution going forward. And then I also liked the fact that they did kick down the middle of the field a lot more with Geordie Barry and David Harvilli when they did come on in that second half. And even though um, it was in the middle of the field, the fact that it rolled and bounced and was able to get into that kind of territory of the 22 of the Italians for them to be able to then kick it and then be able to go to our line-out more and our set-piece dominance, which we had um, which we had on the weekend. Is that a big indicator maybe towards this next test against Ireland, how important Geordie Barrett and David Harvey are to the overall scheme things here, Jipper? Um, having those extra skill sets, the ability to find territory when you're in trouble um, is, is slightly better than the other players in their positions. I, I think uh, even for that skill set, but more importantly for the contestable balls, um, you know, mm. we're put under pressure again with contestables. We'll see that again. Like Ireland have got the ability to play contestables, but they've also got the ability to run. So you'll be really switched on. The French are the same. So I think if you're a great exponent in the air in that back three, and you've got the ability to, to um, sort of kick long like Geordie does, uh, I think it, it sort of signs them in for that job because we know what's coming people have clearly seen that as a way to get points um and 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 you know monte Ioani was really 
disruptive mm. in his chase. Like their, their kick chase was really good. So I think that'll be an area of work on um, for them this week. I, I think it's a continuation. Like when I was playing, like that, that um, turtle thing that they chuck on the back to practice is out every training, you know, because it's not an easy job. Um, I understand that. It's like throwing in the wind. It's a, a thankless task. Um, but um, someone's got to do it, and if you're the best at that, I think you're putting yourself in line for, for that selection. Have there been many players in this test match that stand out? I think Ian Foster said that, you know, a lot of the players who played against Italy could feature against either Ireland or France, uh, littered through those teams somehow. Bryn, do you think that anyone put their hand up to the point where they've demanded a spot this weekend out of that Italy test? Oh look, I, I definitely thought um, Finlay Christ, Christie was was outstanding on the weekend, and um, he came on early. I'm not going to be too sure with what uh, Brad's injury is going to be and how long he might be out for. But look, he was he was outstanding, not only just with his, his clearance to be able to get the ball out, but you know that support line to be able to get that try. He was right there in a kind of big moment in the game where we didn't have a lot of momentum, and that was kind of open the shackles when Offer went through and been able to give it to Finlay. But then you talk around the escort game, Jip. You know there were a couple of times in that kind of in that game that Finn actually ended up going to get up for the ball because of the our defenders our guys coming forward to come get the ball couldn't actually get there and then defensively as well um, he's just a little pocket rocket chip you've obviously been in and around him quite a lot but defensively I thought he made some really good decisions able to make some really good tackles as well so I think with the fact that you know don't know what the injury with Brad's going to be and, and obviously TJ was rested I think Finlay due to his performance on the weekend was be one guy that I thought really put up his hand uh, for a game against Ireland whether it be coming off the bench or he gets to be in that 20 that 23. Yeah look I agree Finn was my player of the day um, and it just purely for how much gas he had in the tank. Um, you know, he's that explosive nine off the back of a lineout, putting pressure on that first receiver's skill set. You know, his his link game with Offer and, and setting up that try for Seva Reese. And, and when there wasn't a cleaner there, this is what I love about Finn, is he just goes and hoovers rucks, and he does a good job about it. You know, he's not a big man, but he just rips in and moves bodies and just said, well, if I'll do your job, you do mine. And, and you know, he had... He has a real presence of mind that the ball is gold and, and he'll he'll get in there and look after it. I just thought he had a fantastic test under trying circumstances. He didn't have front foot ball all the time, didn't have clean rucks, but he certainly made every post a winner. And the other guy for me is Sam Kane. I thought he was massive, you know, 80 minutes with not a hell of a lot of games under his belt. You know, top tackler, nine out of nine, nine carries, you know, and he, and he got a couple of turnovers as well. Um, I thought the, the skip had a big day out. Tough night for Richie Moonga, the opposition in his face a lot. Uh, against line speed and with a forward pack that's not necessarily cleaning out, Bryn, was he at a hiding to nothing in that game? Oh, not at all. I think there were some great things that he did do. I mean, look at the kind of the 70th minute mark when he puts that great ball, holds that ball up and be able to get through and be able to score that try for, for Bridgie. But, you know, so... I think there were great, some good touches that he did have, but I think it just comes back. Again, you've got to be able to credit the Italian defense and what the kind of pressure that not only put on Richie, but the guys on the outside. So as, a, as an inside back pairing, it's really important that you know, you've got the communication from the outside, whether that be from your midfield or the loose forward or the pivots in behind the second the second pod and giving that clear information to him. So look, I think it's um, it's a good learning, you know, for all, not only Richie, but a lot of those other players as well to be able to, how do you deal with line speed? Because look, when there has been... Um, being put pressure on the all blacks due to that line speed pressure and we're not getting that quick breakdown ball like you know we're not being able to be as um it's ruthless around our, our, our clean outs being able to get that ball and suck guys in uh, it's really hard for the insides backs but i think you know his goal kicking was was great on the weekend as well being able to 
get there, which I think is going to be a, a crucial part, especially with Bodie and Richie being able to, if they do goal kick, you know, it's one thing that Richie's done really well in that test match. And um, he, had, he had a few good touches as well. So I don't think it was a bad test match for Richie. I just think considering the, the conditions and also the, the kind of defensive pressure the Italians put on him, it, um, it made him be able to do, go to other parts of his game. He had to try and um, go do really, really well. I have to agree with you, Brent. I think the, pre the pressure that he was under through that, that D and the decisions he made was, was fantastic because, mm. you know, a lot of the time, uh, um, you know, when they had made a few errors and they probably overran at the start in that exit zone, you know, their kick-to-run ratio wasn't quite right and, and putting themselves under pressure. He actually put the ball down the middle a couple of times and said, mm. let's just get out of our territory and made some good decisions, tactical decisions. And, and I think Bryn's point is key on that it's just like they get held up and uh, cheered on it's a brutal position it's like a quarterback in um in the nfl when it's going well they'll get all the plaudits but when it's going not so well the heat comes on but it, it's as we always say here every week it's an all of 15. you know mm -hmm. everyone's got a role those those guys out wide have got to identify his space so that he can just pull trigger he doesn't have to be thinking about everything so i, I think it was a combination of things certainly not individual on richie there was some chat after the game. I think Sam Kane talked about the inexperience in the side, but I mean, most players now are quite experienced against that kind of line speed. They see it week in, week out, don't they? So how much of an excuse is it to have not played a lot of test football when you're coming up against an Italian side who, in the most part, you would expect to be more super rugby level players necessarily than test level players if you look at the scores that they've copped over the years. Um, is, is it really a decent excuse for an, an inexperience against um, uh, an approach like that? Oh, look, I, I don't think so. And that's the reason why it's a test match. You know, you know, we obviously said we were thinking the All Blacks were going to be very convincing, but, you know, these are the best players in, in Italy that, that are putting on that jersey. And every time they play a New Zealand team, or most, of, most of the countries in the world play New Zealand, they take it to another level. And we talked around how good their defence was and being able to put pressure on. But I think the, probably the most disappointing things for the All Blacks, the Celtics were just not due to the, 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 the line speed pressure or pressure at all from the Italians. It was just more so afflicted for themselves. And so those are the ones that are the, you, you would be frustrated with. Yes, don't get me wrong, there's going to be times that you're going to be put under pressure and through that kind of defensive pressure or pressure in general, that's when you're going to make the mistakes. But it's the ones early on you talk around, just drops balls right in front of you or an, an incorrect clean out, which you know, you're probably you know, you're doing time and time again in training, being able to get that uh, to where you want it to be. So I think it's the things that you can control that weren't put under pressure. Those are the ones you can control. And so those are the things that they'll look back and thinking, you know, yes, um, the defensive pressure was good. But at the same time, when there wasn't any pressure on them at all, those uncharacteristic mistakes that we don't see from the Newbacks a lot, especially early on in, in the game, um, those will be things that they'll be more so disappointed on, I think. I think it's an experience in combinations is probably what they mean. Um, you know, Ben Darwin, I always go back to him because I love his work. But, you know, he says there's such a big difference in players the longer they play together because they almost know what the, 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 the inside player is going to do before they know they're going to do it. You know, they, they're in sync. And I think that's probably what it means by inexperience and combinations. If you look at the midfield, you look at the locking period, the loose forwards, uh, you know, a couple of times, you know, we kicked to the corner and there was an overthrow. That wasn't a skill set area. That was just timing. And, and a lot of that is combination. Same with um, Quinn Tapia and um, Braden Enel, like a couple of hard passes, bounces off a chest. Those sorts of things that it's not an experience of um, line speed pressure. It's just the combinations and knowing each other really well, which I think is, is what they were alluding to. 
On the more experienced side of things, you mentioned Sam Kane before, and, and you did refer to Dane Coles earlier. Those guys now, Bryn, do you feel like they're in a position where they're up to starting against Ireland this weekend? Yeah, look, I, th I think so. I think the fact that they are so experienced and they have had that test match against the Americans and then been able to get um, some valuable minutes against the Italians in a, in a bruising encounter. So, look, I think I think I agree with Chip. You know, the, the kind of 80 minutes that Sam put in and been able to get what he needed out of that out of that test match to almost put himself in the best position to play in that island and, and, and French test. But, you know, you talk around Dalton Papali'i before, previously, you know, he's, he's had a great campaign in the rugby championship and even against earlier in the year as well. So I think, you know, we're, we're going to have this conversation around who's really going to miss out because you've got so many guys that are that are playing well, that have, that have been given opportunities earlier in the competition. And then now the likes of Sam Kane, Dane Coles, who scores two tries and was really good at set-piece time, um, it gets them in a position where they could be able to be um, put in that position to play. But... Um, again, there's so much competition in this team, and so I'm really looking forward to see who is going to be put in those positions for that starting 15, and even the 23 as well with those bench roles, and who's going to be able to, you know, put on those, put on that jersey. Mm. And there's plenty on this game as well, considering what happened the last time they went to Dublin. I was there. It was a, a difficult night afterwards, interviewing Irish people and their celebrations um, that night. The Irish themselves are coming off a revenge win of their own. Um, against Japan. I'm not sure any of us saw the 60-5 to scoreline coming, Jipper. That looked good for Ireland. Mate, I was watching that game, and I just said this is the, some of the best footy I've seen played. Like, that first 40, some of the skill sets shown, like, uh, the, the commitment to their system to manipulate the French defence, and, and then their decision-making was, was outstanding. If you look at their forwards and their ability to give balls out the back, balls to give tips to their mates... And then the, the active, um, I suppose, first receiver out the back. And then the guys outside of that are running committed lines, which commit Japanese defenders. They go out the back and break them on the edge. If it doesn't commit the defenders, they're making good decisions and putting, you know, Tug Furlong went through a hole at one stage and he gave it back to his mate Porter, the loose head prop, and they scored from that. Jamison Gibson Park picks it up, grubbers it for an mm. outstanding try because he sees that space in the backfield, probably called from the winger, but to execute it. Like their skill set, their collision, and then offset piece. Like it's hard to score tries off malls because if, if if it is stagnated, it's sort of um, you know I suppose slow ball. But they scored a beauty going wide because they they saw when um, the, the defence had tightened, they could go to that width, and then they went down the blind with Johnny Sexton. So I, I just think their option taking, their clinical nature and their running lines, and and, and the the physical nature of their ball carries. Not one-dimensional. They had the contestable game, but they also ran it from deep. Uh, it was it was one of the most complete performances. And that Japanese side isn't you know that bad. You know, like they they were they were world class against the Wallabies, and we we're talking about up this one being close. So we all got that horribly wrong. And and I just I have to commend the Irish. Mm. Like that was just great watching. Great to see next Blues man doing so well and Jamison Gibson Park too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the interesting things about the Irish performance was the number of offloads they threw. You know, I think they kicked seven box kicks and had 18 offloads, where we might normally see almost the opposite from Ireland, Bryn. Oh, look, to be honest, it was just, it's more so their, their attacking shape and how they, how they manipulated the Japanese and um, more so the variety in their attack shape that they had, whether it be of um, their face by shape. Chip, you talked around a very similar shape to the to the All Blacks with the three forwards off nine, going out the back to six, and you've got the two lines that are going running outside that kind of heart defense, which we've talked around with Richie Mwanga when he gets it right in that kind of play. 
Uh, they did that so many times on the weekend, and so but what there was on the top of was such quick ball. You know the the ruthlessness around their cleanouts and being able to. I'd, I'd like to see how what the Lightning quick ball uh, stats were in that first half because it just seemed that every time they were going through contact was Jamie was there, go 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 go. But then from that to be set from that light, Lightning quick ball and their face play shape that they had. You're talking around the, the example that I've just used, but then in the phase play shape as well with with Sexton, Aki, and then even Conway as well would be able to see with that kick like you said, Jim. But they just had so many variations, so many options, and they looked clear in their decision-making around it. You know, so there's a lot of stuff that was going on, but they made the right decisions. So whether that was just through setting really early, setting where your space is and seeing what's in front of you, and then the communication skills from that to be able to give those kicks, be able to give those passes under pressure, um, it was really, really um, exciting to see that. And I think probably the two things that I think for them moving forward against the All Blacks, which they can do well, is around their face play attack that we've just alluded to. I and mean, how if they can be real brutal around that breakdown and give really quick ball moving forward. But then, you know, Conway and his his, his kick chase off Jamison Gibson Park. You know, we know traditionally with Conor Murray and how many times he's been able to put the All Blacks and teams under pressure with their box kicks. But look, Conway's running through and being able to beat past the escort, which, you know, the Italians did a little bit on the weekend, so it's, it'll be a ploy that hopefully, you know, you'd think Ireland would be able to go through that, but they're not one-dimensional. One They'll get that kick game, but then they've got the ability to be able to play with the ball in front. So, now, like, I was really, really impressed. I thought it was going to be really a close, a close attachment, to be honest, but for the amount of points that they put on and the variety that they showed and how clinical and, and ruthless they were, you know, they'll be sitting pretty happy going into an All Blacks test week, test week um, knowing that they've put in that kind of performance and got through different variations of their game against the Japanese on the weekend. And to harp back, Jipper, about our mate Ben Darwin and the talk of consistency of selection, when you look at Ireland over the last five or so years, you know, despite the fact that things, you know, sometimes take up at big tournaments, the team is pretty much always the same. You see the same base there, minor changes, but the same base. And they know how to beat this All Black side. And the last three times the All Blacks have been there in Dublin, it has not been easy. The mental side of the game is huge, isn't it? You know, there's 10% of it's probably physical and what, what gifts you've got there. But mentally, if you've got that belief in yourself and, and your squad, uh, you, you can lift another level and really bring yourself into these fixtures. And that's what this Irish team's got against the All Blacks now. So uh, it certainly um, poses a big threat, but an exciting threat. And I don't think one that the All Blacks will be uh, too afraid of either, either because they'll be probably really honed in on themselves this week and making sure that they're the complete um, package. And I think sometimes that's the best way to be when you're coming up to big test matches is if you look after your own game, look after, you know, your mates either side of you, you you'll put in a good shift. But you're, you're right. And the, and the Irish team will be buoyed by that. Hopefully not too buoyed. Um, and that's no um, disrespect to Japan because that wasn't a usual performance from Japan either. They had a high error rate and they had, you know, mm. a number of penalties. And they struggled at line-out time. I don't think they're going to see that um, this weekend and, and when the Japanese got it right they actually scored a good try and that was the Japanese side that we've um, grown to, to know and love um, over the f last few years so it was an off night for Japan a, a seriously on night for Ireland but they want to make sure that they, they dot their I's and cross their T's just as much as they did um, for this Japanese performance because it'll make them man for, oh, I'm just so excited for this test match I was probably looking I'll be honest I was looking forward to that All Black France one but this one's right in my uh, radar now. This is this is seriously exciting footy to, to be waking up to. 
it is an interesting comparison like that because I don't think the All Blacks have lost in in Paris since 1973. So they've got a better record in Paris than they do at Eden Park. So, you know, in a way, the consistency there for the All Blacks is not as big of an issue as it has been when you get to Ireland and you face what happens at Aviva Stadium. And it is quite an intimidating atmosphere to go in. Um, are you thinking the same way, Bryn, that this Ireland test is almost the make or break of this tour? Oh, I think, and yeah, absolutely. Just with the performance that they had on the weekend and the fact of, you know, the last couple of test matches that Ireland and the All Blacks have been, it's been a ding-dong battle and, you know, Ireland have, you know, got, got that result as well. So I think just for the fact, for me personally, before the before this test match, um, I was very similar to Jip um, and around looking forward to that fringe game. But look, with the way that Ireland played and look, if they can do a lot of those things really, really well on the weekend against um, the All Blacks, then they're going to be able to put them under a lot of under a lot of pressure and been able to put um, points on the board but I think you know at the same time you know Ireland will be pretty understanding around like it's going to go up another step yes they did some great things on the weekend and they'll be buoyed by that with what Jip said and I reckon they will but at the same time they know that they're going to be um, going to be a different stand against the All Blacks and I definitely think it's going to be around that physicality and breakdown battle I think anytime we've had um, Ireland had, have had a success against the All Blacks been able to slow down that ball and been able to you know bring that line speed that Farrell's really really been accustomed to being with the British and Irish Lions and previously with England as well been able to put that pressure under the All Blacks. And so they'll see the, the Italy pitches and you know, they'll probably see a stronger team that's going to be up against them. But you know they'll be taking some learnings and probably some thoughts around what how they can try and rectify and being able to slow down their All Black ball and then being able to put them under pressure through their, through their face post shape and being able to shut down um, like their talents did on the weekend. You bring up an interesting point. You've got to give it to Andy Farrell. He is the low-key master of defence against the All Blacks. No one really talks about him. They always talk about the head coach. But when you think about Chicago, you think about 2017 Lions, you think about Dublin, the one guy who's always there has been Farrell. You know, and he's he's a guy who's up there now in the coaching ranks, Jibber. Oh, absolutely. And he brings a hard edge because he's done it himself. So when he's... I think that brings another element to it when when you're in there coaching and you're wanting to bring you know the the physic physicality but you know I suppose controlled physicality um, you know he has a presence about him at training and, and the players will know that and and they'll want to live up to that um, so I, I just think he this this will be a great stepping stone for him to get out of probably Joe Schmidt's shadow if if, if you know what I mean like it's um, his opportunity to to knock the All Blacks over, but also make a statement that, you know, he's been under a bit of pressure previously, so this is a great chance for him. And similar to McBurn, he's a guy who came from a rugby league background, or like McBurn with the AFL, not an out-and-out -out rugby guy, but obviously a brilliant tactical brain that's just jumped on top of this, Bryn. Well, to be honest, I think he's probably just got the best of both worlds. You know, being able to be, you know, when he was an international playing rugby league, you know, he was, you know, classed as one of the best second roles in the world and at, at that time and made that decision to then go into rugby. So I think for the fact that he's had two different environments and two different games, you know, you can take the positives of what in some strengths of, of the rugby league system and style, then being able to come into rugby and understand, you know, what it is to be a rugby player. So I think he's got the balance really well around, you know, he's probably the first guy that really implemented that line speed pressure um, you know, back in the Lions day and even before that. So I think, you know, he's got a great understanding defensively and it's been his role predominantly when in coaching. So, um, you know, like we've said, like we just talked about, he's had some success in that British and Irish Lions series and even with Ireland and England as well. So I think he'll feel confident knowing that, you know, the structures that he does put in place um, in the past has put the, um, the All Blacks under pressure. But at the same time, the All Blacks have had a pretty good understanding. It's not this isn't just the first time that line speed pressure has been put on them. It's been for, you know, a couple of years now that that line speed pressure is, is going to be coming. So, 
no doubt they'll be having solutions around what they did on the weekend, whether that's you know holding your feet a little bit more, having that animation of having a, having a downline to get that defensive um, pressure, you know, to get them thinking at least, or kick, kick space, which they did in that second half with going into the middle field, middle of the field. So there are solutions that they will be looking for, but at the same time, it's just like we said every time a good line speed defensive pressure team puts you under a lot of pressure, and it, it takes a, just a small margin of you know getting it right. That you have to get it right, or else um, you're going to be, you know, getting penalties against you, or not getting it right, and getting that kind of defensive pressure of being behind your sticks and behind the advantage line. Mm. In saying that, I think last time the All Blacks were in Dublin, they threw away three or four tries. They were able to handle that pressure. They made some line breaks, but they couldn't deliver that last little element. So, you know, they probably feel like they've got a system that can get through there. How about we shift over towards France versus Argentina, a couple of weeks away from the All Blacks French Test? What did we see from France, Jipper, in that match 29-20 in the end that makes you think France are on track? Well, the NRL's on off-season, but um, I saw an uncanny resemblance between DuPont and uh, Halibut, um to Damien Cook and Cody Walker. They're, they're some of the best, like Cody Walker um, will react off Damien Cook and, and cuts a line and they seem to know each other really well. DuPont and Halibut were exactly the same, man. Like at one point off a scrum, DuPont runs with pace, drops him under. You know, Halibut just runs across him and, and feeds him in through a gap. And then another time uh, when they set up a try, um, Halibut just is running flat and hard and DuPont gives the ball on the chest. It sucks in two defenders and he puts the big lock, the big French lock through for, a, for an easy try. And then on the, uh, on the other try, he comes out the back of the forward pot. This is Halibut. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And injects himself into the line again, sucks and defenders, pops it up to the reserve hooker, and it's all too easy. Like I love watching those two off the back of really good forward play and physicality and all that, but the more that those two can inject themselves in the game for the French, the more tries they'll score. Because they actually really liked building that scoreboard pressure. They took their threes, went on offer, didn't go to the corner too much, took a quick tap, but outside of that, they took their threes. So I think the key for the All Blacks when they do play them is if they can keep themselves discipline-free and not give them opportunities to go for those threes, it'll force the French to play a little bit. And, and you know those may come off, and when they come off, it's amazing, but those 50-50s also give you an opportunity to, to steal or steal it back or get an intercept or something like that. But DuPont and Halibut, mm. I tell you what, man, watch them. It's yeah. so good. You could put 
the Rabbitohs and them over each other. And it's like Damien Cook, <laughs> Cody Walker, the way they react off each other. Good footy. Yeah. <laughs> For you, Brent, you enjoy watching a bit of DuPont. What is it about his halfback play that really makes you excited? He's just so, he's so, he's so instinctive. And like, you know, if you look traditionally, take away DuPont, you know, halfbacks don't have, have 11, 12 carries in a game, but it seems to be the French way and the French DNA of it's, it's a, a lots around DuPont. And so, you know, if you look at in the All Blacks, you know, it's going to come in a fortnight's time. But, you know, if you can shut down his space and be able to get him just to pass first, then that's really a win if you're defending him. Because, look, when he gets an opportunity to be in space, whether it just be around the ruck or just in general play, he's just so quick and so abrasive and so strong into contact that um, he really is a weapon as well. And, and I, I agree with you, Jip. You know, those two work, work so well together. And I thought, you know, both of those boys were, well, for me, best on park. But at the same time, the forward work that they've been able to get them over the advantage line is massive. And so, you know, when you have 600 metres and have 36 defenders beaten, you know, so that's bringing back that French flair that we've talked about how much we love seeing them play with offloads and being able to get the ball um, in front of them. Because I think, you know, that attacking ability is going to be, you know, causing a lot of trouble for the All Blacks. And I know they've got another, you know, it's we've got Ireland first. We need, I need to calm myself down to not think about the French. But I'm just so excited to be able to see when you look, got the likes of the, those guys that we're talking about that are, putting teams under pressure a lot just through their, through their attacking ability, which I love to see from the French. It's what I've seen in the past growing up and even you know before the time when they were you know they were top tier in the world. So now I'm looking forward to it and um, you know, looking forward to see more of DuPont in the next coming weeks. Their defensive shape will be different to what they face this week. Like they're quite a mm. up hard hold and push team and their wingers will fly up, get in the eyesight, but then they actually backtrack and, and they use the sideline as their friend. So they sometimes try to mimic Rush D, but they're actually not. And that's why they got such good reward at the breakdown. They got so many turnovers through their connected um, D line, would come up together, they'd shuffle, player would take them around the legs, and their, other, their hunting player would just go straight in on the ball. And they got great rewards against an Argentinian team that is known for their abrasive cleanouts. So uh, I think that it's, it's almost fool's gold a little bit because they're, they're bringing you into their trap and they think, they're making you think you've got time on the ball to make decisions, but it's actually what they're wanting to do. They're manipulating the attack to, to do what their defensive system needs to do. So there, there's some um, fantastic work going in by their forwards. Um, I, I can't just you know be all about the back chat. Got to get that forwards chat in there. Moving on from there, Scotland versus the Wallabies. Now, did one of you guys pick the Scottish upset? I think it might've been Brenner. Yeah, it did. And if, well, I said, what? Well, I was just a point shy, wasn't I? So I did say three points. And um, but yeah, a very um, sort of surprising game to be honest. More so from the Australians. Um, you know, look, full credit to be able to um, for, for the Scottish and being able to get that result. But yeah, I don't know about you, Jim, but I was just I was a little bit surprised on kind of the approach and more so the kind of um, inaccuracy and the kind of discipline was probably one that I was I was thinking was the biggest shock for me. Yeah, I mean, if you look at um, how they've made their success over the last um, few weeks of that um, rugby championship, is they're a high possession, high territory side. So they played in the right parts of the field and they recycled their ball a lot and waited for the defence to be in a position to pounce and they made great option taking. When they played the Scottish, I don't know if you remember it, Ikitao made a nice little break off that charge down early and then he flicks it behind his back. Um, sort of aimlessly, and, and that gets a turnover. Tom Wright, um, you know, James O'Connor makes a great injection in the line, gives it to Tom Wright, and he tries to flick the ball just back on the inside um, to James O'Connor, whether he was expecting or not, another knock-on. Um, you know, it, it's uh, the um, 
I think Hunter Paisami cleaned well past the ball, so he, he, and then that would have been a try in the corner, but it got called back. And Alan Alatoa um, tried to fly into a ruck, and, and that try got pulled back. So a couple of things that they got right um, weren't there. They, they didn't have that controlled aggression. Like, they've been winning collisions in a controlled manner, um, and, and I don't think they did that well. And the, the examples there, obviously, Alan Alatoa and... Hunter Paisami um, on the edge tried to fly him with just a shoulder and he missed completely and fell out the other side. But I just don't think they had that um, collision area nailed in their heads. They were trying to make a statement. They were trying to hurt them, but it wasn't mm. always within the laws of the game and it put them under too much pressure. And then those unforced errors, that wasn't in their game in the rugby championship. You yeah. just didn't see that. They'd take the extra ruck, they'd build it, they'd manipulate the D and then they'd, they'd go. So, mm. yeah, there's been a bit of changes. And, and you might say guys new to the environment, but the guys that were new to the environment didn't play an initial role. Those other guys have been there for a long time. And, um, you know, the one person they probably did miss um, is Samu Karevi and just his decision-making on attack and D. Just, um, you know, Hunter makes some great decisions. I think once he absolutely snaps someone in half in that second half, but then he makes one that creates opportunities for others as well. And he's just got to get that controlled aggression right I think if, if he wants to fit that 12 jersey and and, and really um, try and build himself as a as a Samu Karevi understudy sort of thing because Samu's game's just so clinical at 12. Mm. One of the interesting core talking points during the commentary was the fact that Stuart Hogg had dropped 5kg and he looked really really sharp. Um, Bryn, does 5kg make that big of a difference to an individual player carrying that little bit of muscle mass to how fast you feel on your feet? Oh, I definitely think it helps. I think, um, you know, possibly, you know, you do put on weight to try and, you know, win that contact area and be able to be abrasive in contact. But look, I think, especially if you're an outside back, um, he's, he's made that decision to be able to lose a bit of weight to be able to, you know, get that kind of drinkiness and, and being able to break through the line. And he did that on the weekend. It was a good instance of that, him being able to get around and then get through and exert that kind of first initial 10-metre burst that, um, that he had on the weekend. So... Um, look, I, I think it is a big thing, and um, I guess for him, that's a, uh, an, an area that he feels that he wants to involve and be able to. That's what wants to be his difference. That kind of first burst of being able to get through that point of contact really, really quick. And so, whenever you lose that amount of that amount of weight, um, it definitely does help with that kind of movements and being able to be a little bit more quicker in your first movement, and especially in that first five to ten minutes, uh, first to five to ten meters. Sorry, um, is really crucial. And then at the back end, when you do get that that kind of first kind of ten meters of over the advantage line and through through. It's in that top end speed that the outside backs really do need, and having that kind of, you know, five kgs less um, is definitely going to be helping that kind of um, department for sure. Wales versus the Springboks. That game was an absolute doozy. <laughs> right on the edge of the seat, all the way to the end, and the emotion at the end from the box was was there to see. It was palpable what it meant to them. Jeff, uh, when you watched that game, uh, were you surprised at all by how close Wales were, considering? There weren't a huge amount of changes from the All Blacks, a few, but not a huge amount. No, there, there wasn't, but understanding the, the wet conditions were a lot, there was a lot more rain throughout the whole game, um, which changed things a, a bit and um, tested the skill skill level. But we know that the Welsh are a good side. They won the Six Nations, so they've, they've got the ability. And for the most part, they, they showed it so well. I mean, their defence in their 22 was exceptional. Like They were under the pump. Springboks are actually using the ball, trying to use their big men to get over, but um, not managing to do so. So, you know, opting for the three points um, here and there. And it was it was obviously penalty trading. 
Um, but uh, the one, the, the deciding factor, I think, again, and we sort of saw it in the All Blacks test, is that that um, impact off the bench and, and Marks and Kitsoff, you know, played a big moment at the end there where Kitsoff gets the, the turnover, Marks is in there holding him. Um, you know, Marks just, like, I'm going to sound like a cheerleader, but he is, he is, he needs more minutes, mate. Like, he is so good. Um, and the impact he he presents, you know, at scrum time, line out time, mm. core roles are great, but just in and around that breakdown, he's just a nuisance. Might sometimes give away a penalty here or there, but I would say that the cost benefit analysis is is heavily outweighed for him to be in there and get turnover. So I, I think the bench was the critical factor, and and I suppose the Springboks just went to what they're good at, um, and that was you know kick it to the corner. But also Sia Khaleesi, you've got to give him credit for his courage to kick to the corner when they were behind in such a big game, and then obviously Marks gets that try. And then he was smart enough, I believe, that the three minutes to go, it's easier for us to be down our end and kicked into the corner and make them try and get their way out even if we don't score. And they got the ball back, and, and then obviously that turnover won it. But there were a couple of key moments in that last 20 that won that game for them, and I think it will put them in good stead because they know they didn't play as well as they would want to, but they'll, they'll take a hell of a lot of confidence. It's a huge win. And, um, mm. you know, I know France Stain came on early off the bench, but he must be pushing for a start as well. He's, he's played two big performances. Mm. That boot continues to do good things for him, right? Yeah, it does. It does. It definitely does. And look, I think any time you can bring a guy that's that experience and in such big moments as well, um, yeah, I completely agree with Jip. Just about his kicking game. He's a big, big body as well in that kind of contact area when he can attack or even defensively as well. So um, he's definitely pushing for a start. And then I think the biggest thing for me was the, the it's a tough one that was kind of talked around. I was in that 62nd minute when that fan, when that fan came on. If you're looking around, like I feel sorry for Johnny McNichol and Liam Williams on the edge there because look, they worked so hard to get those positions. If you're talking around test matches and moments, being able to like execute under pressure. And then you've got some fan that just comes on and kind of, you, look, you can even see Liam Williams, you know, when he's, when Johnny McNichol's getting past, he's seeing what's in front of him. And yes, the ball was a little bit back you know, that kind of moment there in a test match, I felt, um, you know, very sorry for, for Wales being, for that fan to get on because look, I think at that time, it was 15 or that time and a crucial moment in that game. And the difference between a penalty that they ended up getting but a try in the corner um, was completely different. So um, it's the second time it's happened at that, at that stadium. So you'd hope to think um, the security people will be able to sort that out because look, in a, you don't want something like that happening. You see fans come on the field, but in a moment like that where it's actually inflicted, where it's got where it's kind of, Stop the trial, stop the big moment in the game. Um, it was just a shame to see that to see that happen for sure. And it's actually happened three times that Plonker was back on the field for the anthems again um, for Japan, standing like he was next to the All Blacks the week before. Uh, it is a, it's actually a concern. Like the safety of the players, you've got to take into account, and it's ridiculous. Is it a stitcher? Is it like um, an it's advertising like campaign? Thing that everyone knows. <laughs> about like and it's going to be released like i just how is he doing it like i know he's in full kit but it's like with all the intensity of covid protocols he's, he's really putting the game at risk and i know some people find it mm. funny but there's a lot that goes into making sure that everyone's safe and well and these games can be played and it puts that in jeopardy so that just makes me think there must be i don't know are we out of the secret or out of the loop here but he's doing it across the board, cricket, you know, all different sports. It's it's just insane. It's got to be an inside job. It has to be somebody. It's got to be good for doing work. 
it must be doing wonders for his Instagram or social media, man, because look, yeah, it's what we're talking about, aren't we, we're in New Zealand, so um, fair play to him. But I think, yeah, it's, put, it's putting people at risk and you talk around COVID and then the test match on the weekend with Wales and South Africa, a massive moment in that game for some idiot to come onto the field and take away that moment, you know? So um, yeah, whether it's an inside job that we're, we're not knowing about, but it's um, it's making media around the world and it's even talking about being talked about in New Zealand. So they're doing he's doing his job well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to talk about the England-Tonga game. It was a big score, 69-3, but maybe we shouldn't talk about it in the context of the game. Maybe we should talk about it in the context of these new world eligibility laws because Tonga mm. is one of the teams that would benefit hugely from the eligibility laws that are being put to the table. Essentially, from my understanding, it's a look to maybe allow a player a three-year stand-down if they can play for the country of their birth, their parents' birth, or their grandparents' birth. So people like Charles Piatau, Nani Lamapev, people like that could end up, uh, Malakai Fikitoa has obviously done it via sevens, but people like that can end up in that Tongan side, and then they will not be on the end of 69-3 hidings because these guys are top-level, highly experienced players. And I wonder whether or not this will get over the line. Um, Jipper, do you think this is the right thing for World Rugby to do? Um, yeah, look, I, I think I've said it on here before. I think the more we can make our sport a global game and, um, you know, tighter contests, the better. And if that gives players the ability to live out their dream of representing the All Blacks, Australia, England, um, and then later in their career have the ability to go back and give back to um, their country of origin, then uh, I just think, why not? Like, we, we shouldn't be... Um, afraid of it, and I don't. I think it's got to the point where world rugby aren't, and and they're going to make a necessary decision to open it up. I don't think it'll solve all the problems, but it'll certainly bring some experience and some X factor into these sides that will hopefully help grow the players underneath that are coming through, and and potentially, you know, that they want to represent Tonga rather than going for a, a an other nation um, moving forward. I don't know. But I, I don't think we can say it's going to solve everything, but I think it's something that is moving in the right direction. When you look, Bryn, at, you know, looking maybe Bundy key playing for a country like Ireland, do you think that the Northern Hemisphere teams and countries are going to be motivated to allow a law like this when they're quite obviously the benefactor of the current situation? Well, look, I, th I think that's it. You know, it's probably the Northern Hemisphere decision-making around, um, you know, probably stunting the opportunity for the, you know, these kind of players that have played for different, um, you know, for the All Blacks, Australia, or any other Tier 1 nation to then be able to give back to their, to their um, to, you know, to the island nations. Because, look, you, know, you look at, I look at Charles Piatel for, for a perfect example. You know, a guy that, you know, played for the All Blacks, um, left, it, left it probably at the peak of his, of his power in, in his career. And, you know, the hot, one of the highest paid um, players in the world. And we don't get to see him on an international level. You know, we're, for, we're fortunate enough if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you get to see him play for Bristol and be able to play in that kind of um, that competition. But for me, I'd, I'd love to see guys of that calibre who have who, who haven't played for the All Blacks. You know, Charles has, has been gone for a long way now. So he'd be in that kind of realm of not playing, you know, three, four years for the All Blacks. And being able to get him into that kind of Tongan team or anybody as an example, it's only going to add product for the world rugby, you know, for our brand, having those kind of players playing for the, for those nations. And you look at kind of 2003, probably the last time you look at that Tongan, the Tongan team that went really deep into that into that uh, World Cup and even Fiji as well as other examples, or even back in the earlier days, the Samoan and the Tongans team being able to go deep into competition. It's just it's just great for the for the world rugby brand to have those kind of nations 
in the in that kind of in that kind of um, quarterfinal stage because you know look it's tough for the Tonga teams on the weekend you know you, you look at Tonga when they played the All Blacks against England and yes they're playing for their country and they love putting on that jersey but I think for us as as fans we want them to be able to do really really well because not only do they give so much to the you know the Tongan rugby, but so much in world rugby. You know, with how many players and how many internationals that are Pacific Islander descent playing in, in in the world rugby. So it'd be great for them, the powers that be, that hopefully they do give them the opportunity to play, you know, for their country of birth and um, are given a second opportunity in playing in international rugby, which I think it's only going to add to the brand of world rugby and making the uh, making our game a lot better. Why don't we have a look at the predictions for the men's game before we carry on into the women's games this weekend? Let's do a bit of a quick fire then, eh? All Blacks Ireland. First with you, Brennan. All Blacks. All Blacks. Scotland Springboks. 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 Close. Close. Ooh. It Go Scotland. Be a great there, it? <laughs> no, I've done my I've done my one and done, mate. Get your socks. <laughs> Tell me you had a multi on last week, Brennan. Oh, can't I get didn't, it. mate. I didn't. Allowed like to, but um, it was more so for my pride, you know, our, our WhatsApp group saying that I got it right. So now it's more so the pride of that, and <laughs> now in our WhatsApp group, lads. <laughs> Argentina v Italy. Argentina. Argentina. England versus the Wallabies. Wallabies. England. Okay, why? Um, oh, I just want to back the Wallabies. I just, I, I don't think it was as drastic as, as everyone made out. They're in, again, we'll go back to they're in control of their own destiny. They've got some good systems in place, good building blocks. And if you have to play a loose head at tight head, I can assure you that is very hard. And James Slip had to move across. And I thought that was the making and breaking of that game towards the end. And they, and I know um, Alan Alatoa came back on, but uh, the fact that Slipper held his own for Leota's try um, was impressive, but I mean, the way Mike Cron explained it to us, it's like wiping your backside with the other hand. It's it is not an easy thing to do, and not something I'm sure he's he's trained for. So um, I, I'm just going to stick with them. I reckon good growth um, path. <laughs> I take it that night you went in practice with the other hand, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know, mate. I'm not a, I'm not a prop. You see, I'm a, hook, I'm a hooker. But I'm, I'm sure a few props did. <laughs> France v Georgia. Brennan? Yeah, France, convincingly. Yeah, convincingly. Yeah, the French. Uh, and Wales v Fiji. Wales, straightforward? Yeah, Wales, I reckon. I'll pick Wales, but yeah, I think it'll be a little bit closer than what people would think it'll be. Okay, well, let's move on to the women's game then. There's a number of interesting internationals over the weekend, probably the biggest of which was England once again, and once again extending the record for the biggest win over the Black Ferns, 56 to 15. Another difficult watch um, for New Zealand rugby fans who expect World Cup wins, not huge 50-point defeats from the Black Ferns. Jipper, what did you make of that performance and where were it all wrong? Oh, look, it's really hard to play footy on the back foot. Um, and and there, there was some serious dominance up front from the English pack and, and they scored a number of more tries, um, pushed um, them a great distance to then, you know, set up a, a yellow card, unfortunately, down the sideline. So I think that physicality and, and winning the battle up front and then their ill-discipline 
really put them under pressure in that first half. I think it was 60% possession to 40 and 70% territory to 30. Um, and, and, you know, it's just too hard a job um, when, you, when you're not winning any collisions. It doesn't give you D-line time to set, um, time to, you know, get up and put pressure. Uh, so I, I, I think the best thing this week is, is potentially just keep things really simple. And, and that's sometimes the best way to go when um, you've had a couple of losses, uh, speaking from experience, um, is just run hard, you know, clean hard, tackle hard, do basic set piece stuff, um, and just declutter the mind. Because there, there'll be a lot of, uh, they're, they're really proud of, of the Black Ferns jersey and, and they'll be they'll be feeling it. So I think sometimes re- re- reducing the clutter in your head, getting a real simple gain line. And the thing is, if you win a collision, you, you're halfway there. You don't need all the fancy moves or anything. You just need to move bodies. We need to carry low, get through that contact. Or defensively, you've got to be set and you've got to go get people. And, and I think if it's that simple mindset, they give themselves the ability to bounce back against the French. Um, but I, I think it does show, and I'm not making excuses for them, but any team that doesn't play for two years, uh, we talked about Ben Darwin and earlier around inexperienced combinations. And there's a lot of change from Test 1 to Test 2, a lot of debutants through this tour. And um, so, you know, there is, there is some stuff playing against them and they're coming off the back of not having... You know, I think their camp got disrupted. They didn't have as long a camp because of COVID. They had a couple of warm-up 30-minute fixtures and then straight into England, who are, who are world number one. It's, I mean, it's it's not easy. And, and I know they would have backed themselves, and I'm not saying they shouldn't, but there's, there's some fundamental basics that they're just not um, winning at the moment. And, Bryn, those basics went backwards in a week. We were expecting the opposite. You know, we talk about time together. Um it didn't do them any good. Oh yeah, but I think it just comes back to you know you, you look at England and how and how well they're playing. You know, there's only so much you can do as a as a player and as a team if you don't get those things right that Jip alluded to. Like you're looking around your set piece. How many times have we talked around set piece wins test matches and you know when you get line out more drives um, scored against you or even opportunities as well. I think there's one where the, they got had line out more drive halfback takes it down the blind side and then being able to draw and pass, but it was a bad pass and they don't score from that. But those are the kind of opportunities that open that, that present itself through the dominance of that line out more. And so, look, I know the um, the all of the Black Ferns coaches and players will have, take a real hard look around this, but I think when you do lose a couple of test matches in such convincing set, um, fashion, those kind of things being able to strip it right back and make things really, really easy, like like Jip said, making a real easy game plan, winning your contacts, and you know, whether that just be a lean menu. And what I mean by that is just a lean playbook of plays that you do have in, in, your, in your arsenal and then making it real clear as a player, okay, we've got a real short menu, we can just go and execute that and it becomes really easy thinking and you're not cluttering around some of the points that Jip said. But um, yeah, I think it does come back, you know, the World Cup is, is next year and, and what it will do for this team would be able to give them a real um, kick up kick up the backside and knowing that, yep, we do um, love putting on the jersey, but knowing that, you know, that England are the number one team in the world and there's a few things that um, need to be changed. And, you know, they do have a test match against France and against a quality quality outfit. And so being able to get a few things right that they have uh, coming through the um, their English series. And, you know, you look, we look at the Australians and, you know, I know the scoreboard was a little bit different for the Australians and the learnings that they made from the All Blacks and the two losses or three losses that they had and then we'll be able to quickly turn it around to play against another opponent and be able to rectify a lot of those things that they all black. So no different from the Black Ferns and taking those learnings from, from the English game. So, um, yeah, it'll be tough for them. They're, they're a proud bunch, and uh, but, you know, no doubt they'll be having those hard conversations and 
wanted to end the tour in the right way because like, they haven't been overseas. They can use all the excuses. We could say the preparation time, but they're proud. They're they're a proud team, and they'll be able to they'll be able to want to put in a good performance to get a win against a French team who um, go pretty well in the Six Nations as well. Mm, and gave it to South Africa this weekend. I caught a little bit of that game, and the French women, like the French men, when they spot a gap, they know how to play ball, Jipper. Yeah, and and I think the key will be. I think we've got the firepower when we got our structures right and, and we got the ball free and we did win collision, we scored points. And, and not easy points, but we, we got to the edge and um, you know did the business. So I just think the biggest focus, seriously, as simple as it sounds, is that if you win more collisions than your opposite, you'll win the game. Um, but if you lose more, you, you're going to be on the back. It's just so hard to play footy that way. And I know the French will be... Um, coming in confident and, and they'll probably be looking at that mall and hopefully the Black Ferns can make the adjustments in that mall and, and, and try to work together or have a plan together rather than, I suppose, just smacking it in ones and twos. Mm. Any players that you saw? I thought Maliepo made a difference when she came in off the bench. Um, any changes there possible, um, Brenna, Jip, either of you? Oh, I'll go. I, I think some experience, obviously some experience got dropped. And I think, um, well, not dropped, but the opportunity was given elsewhere. I don't know the ins and outs of how it happened, but I think that experience from Test 1 needs to come back. They'll be they'll be firing, and as as that leadership group almost needs to take the week um, as their own and, and, you know, like really drive home um, by actions and, and standards throughout the week and then in the game, those more experienced players really step up and, and show the way for a lot of these young players. Mm. I think possibly as well, I'm um, having Chelsea Alley possibly coming back with Grace Brooker on the weekend. Looked, she looked pretty serious, that injury. So, um, you know, we know you know pretty well. But I think, you know, the fact that didn't get the opportunity to play um, on the weekend will be uh, burning burning inside her. So, no doubt, I think, you know, possibly here, even Hall Hepper coming into that fold as well. If we talk around experience and someone that's played, um, you know, and on the wing and possibly in the midfield, whether that be at 13, not 12. Um, you know, that's probably one position I see there might be a bit, a bit of change just due to the fact of um, Grace Brooker being um, injured on the weekend. Hmm. And a combination with Fleuler and Woodman outside, those three seem like yeah. a really potent, potent um, midfield through outside back heading to the right. Uh, they are, but again, I, I hate to sound so simple, but it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Like yeah, if, yeah. if they don't win their yeah. set piece and they don't win the scrum and they don't win the breakdown area, doesn't matter who's out there. I'm sorry, but it's like, the, it, it's just needs to, those collisions need to be won. And, and they're great players. They're all great players. But England on the day won the physical battle. Well, there's a lot of footy to watch over the weekend, Jipper. So you'll be uh, pretty happy, say, with you, Brenner. I think we've got six-odd internationals, plus we've got the Bunnings NPC. And then there's, yeah, that's only the male internationals, sorry. Um, we've got the uh, the All Blacks versus, uh, the Blackbirds versus France as well. So there's a, a fair bit to watch this weekend, plenty to catch on Sky Sport and plenty to talk about with RugbyPass.com. Thank you once again for joining the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. James Parsons, Bryn Hall, Ross Carl. we'll see you again next week.